not been here with us we've been a couple of weeks now kind of um, getting rebooted um, on our study through systematic theology and historical theology uh, where we left off prior to the pandemic was uh, with the resurrection and our understanding of the resurrection of Christ and we've been kind of getting back going there so uh, for those who were here prior to the pandemic this will be the first kind of new piece of content that we've dug into so we it took us basically three uh, weeks to kind of do what we had done in one week last time so um, so y'all just continue to pray for me and bear with me as I kind of get uh, my legs back under under me for, for teaching. So we're going to be in a couple of different places this morning. Um, we're going to pick back up and just look at a couple of things quickly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And then we're going to go and we're going to look specifically um, after the resurrection in a couple of places in the Gospels, as well as um, we're going to be looking in the book of Acts probably to, to wrap things up. So um, what I want us to pay attention to <clears throat> today as we kind of just really go back over. So we're going to be looking at a couple of places in um, 1 Corinthians 15 today, and we're going to hit them fairly quickly. So... <clears throat> Excuse me, let me get a drink of water real quick before I choke. Um, so we're going to be looking here just... Uh I'm going to read through the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 here. Um, as Paul, as we kind of explore this pre-Pauline creed, we've dug in depth on it. I want us to think about a couple of things today as we consider... Like, what is the nature of the resurrection? Um, what, do we, what do I mean by what is the nature of the resurrection? Like, an easy way to think about this is, what does it look like? Like, what can we expect? Are there things that we can draw from Scripture that we can hope for to get a better understanding of what the resurrection um, that we hope for looks like? And I think, I think there's... Um, several reasons that this is important. Um, one of the reasons that I think that this is important... Um, Question. I want to kind of, and so like, give me a little bit of feedback here on this. Um, I, I'll be vulnerable, be be honest here. Um, I think I think that's important. How many How many of you um, enjoy this life? I'll start off easy. How many of you in, in, enjoy life? Right, like, like life has rough moments in it, but like it's good to be alive. Right. Um, how many of you find yourself um, very easily understanding what this life holds and at the same time, like, you, you see what Scripture says, but, but at times, like, the hope that you have in, in the future is something that you just really feel like, I don't know that I have a good grasp on it. How many of us have a better understanding of what we have in, in store for us today than we do after death, Right? Like, pro probably most of us. How many of us would be honest and say that because of that reality, because that future hope is, is sometimes so unclear to us, that we live holding on to things today more so than we would if we had a stronger hope for the thing that is to come, Right? How many, of, how many of you think that if you had a better understanding of what you had to hope for, that it would be easier to let go of things that you hold to tightly today that you really know are not important things? Like, like the things that you chase after in life, 
right? Where is your treasure at? Is it here? Right? I think most oftentimes, if we were to be honest with ourselves, what we would say is that most of our actions tend to show that the treasure that we have is here, right? Well, what does Scripture tell us about where your treasure is? Your heart's there. So what does that do? That's your motivations. That's your desires. That's where you live. That's the direction that you push forward to in life. And here's what I want to put, here's what kind of as we start looking into this, I think that there's a lot of things, and, and I'm drawing this from like, like introspection. I'm looking into my own life. I'm looking into my like own way of thinking, my own mindset. And I'm like drawing, and I'm assuming that y'all work similar to me in the way that you think. So like a lot of like the way that I build this particular thought process out I just like when you hear it it's this is what I think this is the way that my mind has tended to work and this is what's kind of brought me to this particular place is and and this is what this is what I often find is that is that when I see what I see before me I see life I see my family I see my job I see you know like name it the the things that you can see the things that when I when you ask me what does this week hold I can lay them out right those are things that I enjoy those are things that I can hold to those are things like when the better this life is right the more of a tendency we have to want to hold tightly to it and the more that it draws our focus down to the worldly versus up to the heavenly right to that hope that we have before us and what I want to say as we kind of dig into this is when I say that thing that we look up to, that, that thing that's heavenly, when I tend to think about heavenly, I tend to think about immaterial things, right? When you think about heavenly, do you tend to think about like physical things? Real things? Things that you can hold? Things that you can touch? Things that you can see? Like for me... For, like growing up, like I became a believer young in life, <clears throat> and for a good solid like 80% of the front end of that belief, most of the things that I thought about when I thought about my future hope as a believer were immaterial things, right? So it's like things that we take for granted here in an immaterial world, I can't figure out how it would work like that, right? Like just what am I doing here when I'm speaking to you? Right? The, the act of speaking to you and you hearing it from me to you is a very physical thing. Right? The physical world around me allows me to interact with it in such a way that I can, from my mind, bring forth thoughts that resonate through physical reality, hit your ears, then your mind processes it, and then somehow the Spirit's attached in there so that there can be spiritual significance, right? So I can, I can, like, I can run with all of that stuff, but then how does that work? How, are we telepathic if we don't have a body? Like, like those are things that are, that are so unreal to me that, I, that it's hard for me to grab hold of that because it feels like as soon as I grab it, it slips through my hands like... A spirit or a, or a ghost, right? So one of the things that whenever I consider like digging into this and thinking about what is the nature of the resurrection, 
and we start looking at Jesus, the thing that jumps out so quickly to me here is how we see Scripture put forward this real physical, like this reality for our hope that is a thing that you can see, that you can touch, that you can speak to, that can speak back to you, that is way more familiar when I, when I actually, instead of like, think about like what I could perceive as heavenly or what I could perceive as spiritual or, or whatever, like where my, where my mind tends is to like immaterial realities But when I look at the book itself, when I look down at Scripture and I dig through it, what I see instead is like, Landon, you had misconceptions about what this eternity will look like. And I see that most clearly whenever I look at Jesus. So like when we look at the text here today, know that this first thing that we're going to look at is so that I can like... And, and this is for, again, for me, it helps me make this reality more clear. What happened at the ascension? I just want to kind of ask you that. So Jesus ascends into heaven. I think, now this comes from me, right? When I think about Jesus' ascension in the way that I considered the ascension for many, ascension for many years, that I somehow saw him evaporating into nothing. Right, like that, that physical body somehow, as it went up, was no longer a physical thing. And I'm going to go ahead and say this: that Jesus is now physically embodied as he was on the day of his resurrection. And I will admit to you that I have no clue of, as to how to answer where it is that he actually is. Right now, I, we can look at scripture and get these pictures, but how in the world do you bridge that? real physical touch me I'm flesh and bone Jesus to not going into like this like ghostly figure he's he's still physically that same man and Paul makes this I think evidently clear here in this text because the ascension happens then Paul sees him right the ascension happens then Paul sees him so Jesus was physical flesh and bone, right? Like, we're going to see this when we dig in. All of these things happen. Jesus is eating fish. Jesus is talking. Jesus is opening scriptures to their minds. Like, for, for, for several days on end, they are seeing him. He is appearing to them. And when Paul talks about what he saw, he lines it straight in there. It's the same experience Paul had, right? So we see this here. Then he appeared. This is verse 6. Actually, let's back up just a a little bit more to verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared... So this is the physical Jesus that we're going to look in the scriptures and see. To Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to all the, then to all the apostles. Last of all, this is verse 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared, or he appeared also to me. So Paul, as he's lining up these appearances, 
like people that you can go to see this physically raised first fruits of the resurrection. As he's pointing these out, he could have said, and then after the ascension, I saw like a vision that was like this spiritually thing. But he does not in any way differentiate between what he saw and what they saw. And this was after the ascension. So what Paul sees after the ascension is a physical Jesus, right? So somehow, and that like, if you were to go, don't, I'm going to say this scripture, write it down, go look at it, go look at it later. Um, kind of, kind of, we're just, this is just an in passing, so don't have to necessarily turn there right now. Acts chapter 5, verse 19, we see another account of this where we're like, and this is where I like, I don't know how this works. And it's like, I, this, this, like, tortures my mind because I love having everything figured out and something about this is like there's two realities that I that I hold to be true is that this is the same Jesus physically like in a body like like mine except with all those properties imperishable not weak but strong like all of those like new creation like properties except it's real like he's made of flesh and bone as I am made of flesh and bone Except where mine dies and is corruptible, his is not. Right? This same Jesus ascends. And even when we get, and we probably won't get there today, um, but when we get there next week, pay very close attention to the text. Very close attention to the text. And let's be careful not to inject into the text our like superstitious, supernatural otherness. Right? Where, we, where it's not necessarily there. Case in point, like, you'll see places in the text where it's like, and the door was locked, and then Jesus was standing among them. And what we go to very naturally is, well, that must have been Jesus passing through walls. It doesn't say he passed through walls. It just says, door was locked, then Jesus is in the midst. There's lots of, like, normal ways that this could happen. We get an account of this in the Scripture itself. If we go and look at the account where um, they're put in prison and then the doors are locked clearly because when you're put in prison, what do they do? They lock you in, right? So clearly the doors are locked, but then they're out. How does it happen there in that case? Angel opens right so like there's like the door was locked but then you know an angel opened right like here here's the thing we don't have to inject these like other other strange types of behaviors because most of the time the text doesn't say that it just it just there's a compression of events that happens for the sake of trying to fit all of this stuff in to what happened and what they were saying right um so Paul here sees this. I want us to go down to, um, before we jump over into uh, the, the Gospels, I want us to go down and look at verse 42 through 44, just so that we're, as we're thinking about the nature of this body, that we kind of get in mind this is, re, this is something that's a kind of a, a reality about this, the nature of this body. Um, we went through all of the context as we were pushing through this, so we won't spend a ton of time here on context but let's just read it again so so it is with the resurrection of the dead verse 42 
What is sown is perishable. What is raised, imperishable. So let's look at these differences, right? So what this body that we're going to see Jesus have is not perishable, it is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body or a body driven by nature, the, the things of nature. It is raised a spiritual body or a body that's now empowered by the Spirit, right? Um, so now let's flip. So, so these are the things that we can, if we want to ask ourselves, what's, what are clear differences between the body that we will receive in the resurrection and the body that we have now? Scripture tells us some clear differences right there, right? But here's what I, so, so the reason that we're going to do what we're going to do and the way that we're going to do it is because, again, for me, as I think about, like, if, if I want you, or as a preacher, if I want to convince myself or I want to convince you as the hearer that you can lay everything down here and nothing be lost, then part of what I need to show you is the things that you count as lost are not lost, right? So a lot of what we know and feel and enjoy about this world, if we fear that this is the only time we get to experience that, then we will more closely or more, more tightly cling to this, and it will be harder for us to lay aside those things to strive but if we can see that those things that we had convinced ourselves we were losing are in fact not lost but regained in some pretty amazing ways, then it will help us to run this race more faithfully because we won't have that thing in the back of our mind being like, you better not miss out on that now because if you miss out on that now, even when you're in heaven, there's not going to be anything like that. Right? Um. So let's go, let's go now, turn with me to um, the book of Luke and go to the last chapter in the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24. Um, we're going to, there's, man, after we get done with this whole thing, I would encourage you to go back, look through all the accounts where we see um, these interactions with Jesus throughout each of the Gospels, um, throughout the entirety of the book of Acts, look at these things and look for the, like, the small details, right? Look for the small, look for the small details. Like, look, in this, like, I'm con consistently blown away at how just, like, boring and regular these events seem to be. Um, ex it, it, except you take and put in the place of like it just being us hanging out on a day-to-day -day basis. It's a man who was dead and now not dead, right? Like, yes. But, it, but all of the other things, they seem just super regular day-to-day. -day. Um, and this is like, so as we kind of dig into this, just kind of keep, keep an eye out for the regular mundane things. So we're going to start in um, Luke chapter 24. Verse 13, um, I don't know that we get finished with this set today. Um, if not, we'll just kind of pick up where we, where we get. We're going to push all the way through um, verse 53 of Luke. So we'll see how far we can get in the next couple of minutes. So Luke chapter 24, verse 
13. So this is, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. So um, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So Jesus does what? Okay, so I want us to, I want us to before we start talking about this draw near piece, I want us to realize that um, Jesus is God, and Jesus is present in all places, completely and fully. Like, it's not like part of Jesus is here and part of Jesus is here, but Jesus is in all places completely and fully. Jesus is with you now, right? Jesus is with you now because he's God. He's omnipresent, right? That's what that means. He's in all places at all times equally, not in part. Not divided in like some piece of him is here and some piece of him is there. When you go your way and I go my way, like you get piece of Jesus and I get piece of Jesus completely and fully in all places at all times, right? But, but now as we're digging into this, where am I? Where am I? Right there. Right here. Am I here and there? Okay. Now, if I walk this direction, what do I do? Drew near to Dustin, drawing away, right? So there is a real sense in which this physical Jesus draws near. There will be a day where you experience the same feeling that they feel, right? But, so here's, like, here's the thing. Jesus is with you now, right? <laughs> completely and fully, completely and fully. Jesus was with them before he drew near to them completely and fully. But look at what happens when, this, when, when Jesus embodied physically draws near, interacts. Like their experience is changed in a, in a serious way. Right? Like, like, just kind of pay attention to that. So this Jesus draws near. Though he is with you always, there will be a day where you see him walking to you with feet on floors. Right? Not like some ethereal, like he's hovering on the ground, but he's a physical Jesus. He's holding together a physical reality. He will make all things new. And he will hold that together for eternity. And within that reality that he holds together in every moment, he will draw near to me and to you. Like you will be able to see him, lay your hands on him, hug him. Like you, like in a new body. All of us. The same. How many of you have laid someone in the ground during your lifetime? And you may have thought to yourself, this is the last time I will ever be this close to them. No, the same body that draws near is a first fruit for us. We will draw near to Him. We will draw near to one another. Pay attention to the small things here. Verse 16, 
but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Let's pause here for a second and ask ourselves, well, what do we draw from this? They had, like, something supernatural had to happen so that they didn't what? So that they didn't know who he was. So that they didn't recognize him. So what does that mean about Jesus? Is that when Jesus was raised in this new body, this new body looked like Jesus. Like Jesus looks like a person, right? He was recognizable in such a way that these men who would have known him had to have their eyes kept from recognizing him. Jesus is recognizable in the resurrection. You will see him, and the same person that you see will be the one that they saw, right? Because incorruptible, right? He, he was raised, and he's not getting old. He's not like, this is the same Jesus that they knew. He's in his 30s, right? He's not going to be older when he gets there because this body, or when we get there, because this body that he has is incorruptible. You will see him, and it will be the same man that they saw. We will see each other, right? If he is the first fruits of what we have, then we will see each other, and we will be recognizable as well. You will see me, and it won't take some like weird supernatural thing for you to be like, oh, that's Landon. I'll look like Landon, right? Now, I'm going to get older. This body's going to perish. So if you know me and I live, you know, to be 80, you're going to be like, that's young Landon, right? <laughs> when you see me, you're going to be like, I remember you, young Landon. Like, you, you look so good now. You're so healthy. You're like, you know, maybe you don't have to struggle over the same, like, temptations there with, like, overeating or whatever, right? Um, so maybe I'll be, like, slim fit Landon <laughs> there, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with, with no male pattern baldness, like all these, all these good things, right? Um, so, like Jesus is recognizable. Oh my, tablet is acting up here. Um, so let's let's just keep paying attention uh, to these small things, right? All right. So let's let's press on here. So their eyes were kept from recognizing, verse 17, and they said to him. Now, here's, there's, this is coming a piece here, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and admit to you that I'm reading into the text here. Um, so, so just take that, in, take that in mind, but like, whenever I read what I see here, like, the thing that I read into the text at this particular place is that Jesus is going to be the kind of guy that I want to hang out with, um, because Jesus likes, Jesus likes, playing games with people's minds and, and, and being a little sneaky and a little tricky um, because this is kind of what we see as, as, as we come out here. So um, 17, he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Um, then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know 
um, the things that have happened in those days. He said to them, what things? Like, come on, Jesus. Like, I love your personality right here. Like, this is, this is so funny because it's like these things literally happening to you. And Jesus is like, I'm going to make sure you don't understand, you know, see that it's, you don't actually recognize that it's me. And then I'm just going to get you to tell me about everything, you know, here. And then at the end, I'm going to be like, oh, foolish ones, you know. Uh, I, I, I love this. This is like, you can see his personality coming out <laughs> in this. And it's like, I need to hang out with you. Like, we will have such a good time. Um, verse 19. And he said to them, what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. I can see him as they're saying this. He'd be like, hmm, yeah, do, do tell him about what happened to this Jesus of Nazareth. Um, Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God. And all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and, and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those, verse 24, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Okay, so let's look at the little things here. And he did what? Verse 25. And he did what? He said to them. Okay, again, like this, it's me. This is probably everybody else. It was always obviously clear to them. But whenever I see this, what is Jesus doing? What does this physical body that Jesus have do? listening talking he's having conversation right and here's the here's something interesting that i that i see whenever i see this too is that like there's not a disconnect between the reality before and the reality after this resurrection for him right there's not a disconnect, right? Like when he was probing them, like, tell me what happened. It wasn't like he had got his memory wiped when he got the resurrection body, right? So there's this continuity between the life before and the life after. And here's the thing. Jesus knew he was crucified, knew it was for the purposes of God. He will know and have this knowledge, has had this knowledge, for all of eternity. And he can live with it. And not be sad. And not have tears. And have joy. Right? So we have this, we have this mindset that we need a memory wipe to be able to enjoy eternity. Right? We think this. Like, how can I enjoy eternity if I know what happened here? How could, right? Am I the only one that's ever thought that? So what happens? What, what is our default? We just assume that we don't remember anything here. That's the, that's where we, that's the default that we tend to. Maybe I say, wait, don't let me put you in the bucket that I've been in in the past. Right? My default was, is that the only way that I can explain that tension is just to say that I forget everything. But then scripture would seem to indicate in places that we worship the lamb slain from the foundation of the world together. 
that every tribe, every nation, every tongue does this. So I, I ask myself, I see Jesus not having his memory wiped, like he clearly understands, and then I see these examples of us praising him for eternity as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I see him here as well. He's going to be opening scripture to them, and I think, is scripture, is scripture the word of God going to pass away? Is it? Like, I sure hope not because I want Jesus to sit down with me as he sits down with them and give me understanding. And here's what I think, is that when we gain the understanding of all that God has done, we will see clearly this life, what this life represented. We will see clearly the trials. We will see clearly the pain. We will see clearly the joy. We will see all of this work that God has been doing. We will see that He's brought us through this to Him. He will explain to us from Scripture itself. He will speak. You will hear. Right? He's having conversation with them here in this resurrection body. He is the first fruits. If He's the first fruits, then what that says to me is if I want to understand what the resurrection looks like, I need to pay close attention to who? Jesus, I need to pay attention to the small details, right? Oh, foolish ones there, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? I mean, Jesus is breaking down. like He's going to open up their minds in such a way, and here's what's going to happen, right? Like As he does this, their sadness turns to utter amazement. They are blown away, right? This is what happens as he kind of does this work here. And beginning, what does he do? Verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, man, they must have been hanging out. That was a long walk. <laughs> They were together for a while, or he is way more concise than me. <laughs> like, that's probably the case. Jesus can get things across way easier than, than, uh, than we can. So he's beginning with Moses, all the prophets. He interprets to them in the Scriptures all the things concerning what? It ought not amaze us as it does that they came to all of these conclusions about who he is. So like, when we look at the pre-Paulian creed and we see how packed it is, with doctrine, important doctrine for us to hold that's in a way that we could literally memorize it. It should not surprise us that they came to that conclusion so quickly when they had the author of all life and existence and truth telling them, breaking it down to them as he was doing here. Like he's opening their minds and now like he just kind of con continues this effort. Um, we will stop. We'll stop there. Um, we'll pick back up with the opening scripture to you know from Moses' prophets and interpreting it next week. Because um, I'm already past my time, my time here.